1: Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. John Schumann in New Jersey. Seiko Smith here in Atlanta. John Harps behind the glass. Wish we had some Christmas music for you, but Christmas has passed. The NBA Showcase Day. Five games starting early with the Bucks and Knicks at noon. All the way through the night with the Jazz and the Trailblazers finishing up. Plenty of good games. Celtics... You know we're winners. The Rockets came out on top over the Thunder. The Lakers walloped the Golden State Warriors. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show when we're joined by Brad Turner of the Los Angeles Times to uh, talk that win, LeBron's injury, basketball in L.A., the Clippers. He's on top of it all. But before we get to BT, let's discuss some of the other action of the past couple days. Shoe. Merry Christmas, of course. Hope the Schumanns did it big up in Jersey. Of
2: course, absolutely, always. <laughs>
1: Sure you had to put a whole lot of stuff together and uh, you know, figure out directions for all sorts of stuff, get the batteries right for
2: everything. If you never need help putting together an IKEA bed, just give me a call. <laughs> I'm good. good
1: to be here. Kyrie Irving in the Celtics on Christmas Day with a big win over the Sixers. Kyrie scored six of his 40 in the overtime period. Active back daggers on those three-pointers. Joel Embiid, of course, moaning and groaning about not getting the kind of touches he wanted down the stretch. Are you more excited about what the Celtics could be in store for coming up or more concerned about Joel Embiid's continued grumbling about his role now that Jimmy Butler's firmly entrenched with the Sixers?
2: Uh, it's funny. Like I think, from the Celtics' perspective, I still feel like you know they're they're getting by, but we still haven't seen this team play to uh, to its its maximum ability on both ends of the floor. As far as the Sixers, it's easy to say, "Oh man, these this, these guys just can't beat the Celtics." I mean, they're two and nine against Boston over the last two seasons, counting the uh, the playoff series last year. Mm-hmm. But when you think about it, they were up seven in the fourth quarter. JJ Redick had a great look to win the game at the end of regulation that basically went a third of the way down and, and popped back out. They were up five in OT. So they were there. They were right there with them. But again, like you see, okay, they lost and they're two and nine against the Celtics. Like I said, over the last two seasons, you look at the, you know, um, the spacing issues, you know, on my uh, my Twitter, I pointed to a particular possession down the stretch of the fourth quarter where Embiid caught the ball on the perimeter. And we've talked about that, like where he catches the ball is an issue. And so he starts backing his man down. And as he starts backing his man down, Ben Simmons is already on the baseline because that's where he, he goes, you know, when he doesn't have the ball. He goes into that the dunker spot, you know, sort of under the basket. And so as Embiid starts to back himself down, Wilson Chandler cuts to the basket. He's on the perimeter and cuts into the paint, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But instead of clearing out now to the opposite wing or the opposite corner, he stays in the paint. And then MB continues to back his man down. And then Jimmy Butler cuts into the paint and like from the perimeter. And so there's this I have this screenshot of Butler sort of in the paint. And then Simmons and Chandler standing right one behind the other on the baseline as M B backs his man down and JJ Reddick, the only sixer on the perimeter. And you know, Embiid just does, you know, has all these defenders around him because nobody is spaced out. And like, you just think of that and and you realize that like the Simmons Embiid issue is is not sort of going away as far as the spacing that Simmons does not provide for Embiid, who is obviously the half court go-to guy, but is, has to sort of catch the ball on the perimeter a little bit too often with, with Simmons on the floor. And obviously the, the the Celtics are really good at defending both of those guys. I think uh, it was Al Horford like, does a great job yeah, on Embiid. Al Horford did a terrific job, both uh, also one on MB, but also in on a couple of key transition possessions where Simmons attacked and Horford was there to sort of protect the rim. And, and then I will say one thing about Horford also on on those two straight Kyrie Irving threes. The first one, Jimmy Butler was denying Kyrie, and and Horford saw that and sort of flashed to the ball caught it knowing that Embiid was going to hang out in the paint. His The guy guarding him was going to hang out in the paint. He flashed to the ball and then had Irving come over for a handoff, and then he sets the screen on Butler, and there's nobody there to, to step up because Embiid is sort of hanging out in the paint. So Irving got that first three that, that uh, I think that pulled them within one no, that gave them a one-point lead, and then he hit the, the next one in transition that put them up four in OT. So that was a little, a little just a you know Al Horford's basketball IQ, uh, <laughs> yeah, example that got them the lead uh, for good in overtime.
1: Is it okay for me to say that I have grown weary of of Joel Embiid's belly aching after games? <laughs> I mean, he gets thirty-four and sixteen, and he's belly aching about touches, or you know,
2: I... I, it's it's amazing that he's putting up such huge numbers that you feel like there could be more if he was complimented if it was Embiid and four shooters out there, you know? Like It's not, though. I mean, that's not – Yeah, it's I mean, not going to happen. I mean, yeah, Ben Simmons, I don't think they're ever going to – you know, they're going to take Ben Simmons. I mean, I'd be fascinated. If that's a playoff game and you know you need more space, like would they take Ben Simmons off the floor for an – you know, down the stretch, like say for a half-court offensive possession where they don't – maybe they call timeout.
1: John, this is an organization that's still talking yeah. about – what are they gonna do with Marquel Fultz? Why would, I mean,
2: <laughs> well, they did. There was that playoff <laughs> game last year where where uh, they went to T.J. McConnell down the stretch over right. Simmons, I think, you know. And so it's an interesting question. Like, if push comes to shove in a big playoff moment, would they dare to take Simmons off the floor for an offensive possession, just knowing that? you know, that might be the ideal thing because you'll still have Butler, you'll still have Redick and Embiid and and then maybe you get a little bit more spacing can get Embiid a catch near the basket and not have to worry about Simmons and his man being in there in, in the paint as well.
1: Yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm growing a little tired of the the constant bellyache in, in Philly from Joel Embiid. I mean, Jimmy Butler, to his credit, has just... Continue to grind, you know, good or bad. Appreciate him with all the attention he got early in the year, recognizing that we might be tired of him and that it's time to just play. Um, and I think M B needs to take a similar tack, man. Just play, you know, and let it, let it evolve the way it's going to evolve
2: it. Nobody can point fingers at you, Joel Embiid. It's not like you're not out there doing your job. Well, he's going to get asked questions. I mean, like, people are going to ask him, are like, are you getting the ball at the right spot? The media's job is to ask him about if the Simmons and B combo is working to its best ability and, and the shots he's getting. You know, it's, it's their job. And, and, you know, he's he could just say, I'm not going to answer that question. Or, you know, he could. Or they could ask Elton Brand or, or <laughs> Brett Brown, like, yeah, a have to ask them, too. Um, but, like, I mean, I, I don't think, like, he's coming out, you know, and, and just talking to an open microphone and saying, hey, I'm not getting – you know, it, he's answering questions, I think, is the it, – it's more than, you know, him complaining on his Instagram feed about the shots he's getting or something.
1: <laughs> One guy who's not complaining about the job he's doing, which has been fantastic, the Antetokounmpo, another show-out performance at Madison Square Garden on Christmas. Fantastic stuff from him. James Harden certainly looked like a man in control of things, you know, in a tough game against Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George. They got shut down in the fourth quarter by Houston, and uh, put they pulled out, the Rockets pulled out that win. But, shoot, the other team that kind of piqued my interest on, on Christmas Day, and it was the last game of a long day. I had to go in and do game time that night on NBA TV, so I was, you know, getting a chance to look at that one with a different set of eyeballs after watching all the other games at at the house here. Are they, are they ready to to kind of turn their season back into what we thought it would be? You know, Donovan Mitchell looked really good, just looked spry and kind of refreshed. Are they ready to kind of make their shift this season into, into maybe
2: a, an upper echelon team in the West? Well, I think one thing it, it sort of shows that that last game shows the the sort of the parody that we have in the Western conference, but I will say that, you know, in the span of five days, the Jazz kicked the Blazers butts twice. So and that out, their defense, the Utah's defense has been at the level we sort of saw them playing at the end of last year for their last seven games. I'm looking at six of those seven opponents were held under a point per possession, which is elite defense, especially this season. And the OKC loss they had uh, before Christmas was a close sort of ugly, ugly offensive game. So their defense is there. Their offense is still hit or miss, Mm -hmm. but yes, they're, I mean, you look at their streak, they've won three out of four, but before that they lost four out of five. So there's still a uh a you know they're still a long way away from the kind of run they put together last year but the defense is there and that's obviously step number one for this team and if we look back at like their sort of November early December struggles a lot of that was travel I mean they had a brutal stretch of schedule for like three basically three weeks and so I think maybe they're finally starting to get their legs under them and then that defense is finally um you know, with some practice days and some time off, is finally showing what it can do. And so, you know, that like I said, that's step one is is taking that defense to the to to being basically the best defense in the league. I don't think they're there statistically for the season uh, just quite yet, but they will get there if they continue to play uh, as well as they uh, uh, have been the last couple of weeks. They're yeah, still number yeah, still number six that I'm looking at. And it's still right. number six defensively, but they are well on their way to being in the moving in the right direction, yeah.
1: I promise we we would talk Lakers Warriors eventually and we will do that shortly. Wednesday night's game shoe. It was kind of a twilight zone moment for me hearing the MVP chance in Chicago for Derrick Rose. Had to be a strange night for Bulls fans to find themselves. Showing love to Derrick Rose again after he was kind of, you know, r- rushed out of town the way he was when when his career took an injury field turn. I even got an email from somebody who told me I better have Derrick Rose on the MVP ladder this week, which <laughs> I thought that was kind of hilarious. I didn't even respond. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry for not responding to the email, but yeah. some, some things don't merit a, a legitimate response. What?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a six-man-of-the-year candidate, right? Yes, like, yes. And, um, and doing a,
1: a fine job of resurrecting his career, I think it's one of the better stories I, I can think of here in the last couple of years where you think about where a guy was at his peak, the depths he fell to when all the injuries and everything else was going on, and now where he is seemingly in a in a new role that's going to be his existence for the remainder of his NBA career. He's going to be a, a quality NBA six-man he gets buckets of his career, yeah.
2: i mean one he's he's number seven in the league in three-point percentage which is just yeah staggering derrick rose is number seven rudy gay is number nine rudy gay was like number two in the league in three-point shooting for a long long time but mm-hmm. have those two guys at the top 10 is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of crazy but rose like number seven in three-point percentage but also, like he's still really quick, and like he can blow by guys still, and especially guys, you know, second unit guys. And if he gets, uh, can get one on one with with some r- slower front line guys, like he's really good at getting to the basket. Yeah, um, so he can get buckets on that second unit. And and there's been some off nights, but like I mean, he's been a huge lift for that for that team, especially with Jeff Teague out. I think it's like five or seven games now, and so obviously. You know they are still a long way from being in the top eight in the West, but they're sure, still, sure, still, still hanging around.
1: Well, just a good story. Yeah, you know, there's
2: nothing else about
1: Derrick Rose individually. I, I looked at, opened my backpack and looked at my passport again today um, because I think I keep getting this feeling we're going to see the Raptors in the finals this year. I have a feeling. I don't know why, but I want to make sure my passport's safe and secure. Good win for them over the Miami Heat. The Spurs have shut up all this noise about. You know, them being finished and their pop being done. That's, They're amazing. That's,
2: They're, yeah. I mean, I, I don't get it, but they are doing, you know, they they are incredible uh, just the run that they've been on the last few weeks. Yeah. It's, I, and
1: nobody should be surprised that, that they do it. I'm, I'm no longer going to be shocked when the Spurs kind of dust themselves off and get back in the mix um, because it's what, it's what they've done for so long is what they continue to do. The wildest game Wednesday night, though, Um, You were there, Shu, in Brooklyn. The Nets surviving the Hornets. Spencer Dinwiddie playing like Spencer Jordan. Apparently, he's got the green light to do basically whatever he wants. And Kenny Atkins' system, double overtime win, 134-132 for the Nets. Could that be a big deal down the road, Shu, in the Eastern Conference playoff chase?
2: It's a it's a big deal right now. I mean they these two. I mean they, these two teams are playing a home and home Wednesday Friday. So they'll play Friday in Charlotte. And coming into that game, the Nets were sixteen and nineteen, and Charlotte was sixteen and sixteen. So a, a sweep of the home and home would put Brooklyn in playoff position, uh, which is amazing considering three weeks ago they had lost eight straight games and were seemingly at the the nadir of their season and they've now run off nine of ten but it was only appropriate that these two teams went to just had a just a wild finish Uh um, sure. you know Brooklyn leads the league in games that have been within five in the last five this season uh Charlotte is for a third straight season the kings of heartache uh this is the third straight season where they have a positive point differential and a losing record because they just suffer so badly and <laughs> in late games and it's funny like when they've when they've had that issue their late game issues you know I've always talked about well you know their offense is too heavy on Kemba Walker down the stretch where he's just you know you know where the ball is going he's the one sort of burdened with taking almost every big shot down the stretch but then last night we saw Tony Parker at the end of overtime miss badly on a game-winning shot and then at the end of the second overtime Malik Monk try to iso and just fumble the ball and allowing Joe Harris to pick it up and and get the game waiting bucket on the other end. And so it's kind of see I kind of said, well, I guess that's why they they, they run everything through Kemba Walker at the end of games. And so, but of course they wouldn't have been in those positions if Kemba Walker didn't commit maybe the dumbest foul the season, where he went one for two to put the Hornets up one at the end of regulation and then Tamari Carroll rebounded the second miss and Walker's for some reason reached in when Carroll had the ball at the opposite foul line, so he's basically 80 feet from the basket, and basically committed the dumbest foul from, of the season so far, and allowed Brooklyn to tie the uh, tie the game uh, and send it to overtime. So yeah, I saw you categorize it as the dumbest foul. I mean, the- I mean, how could I mean? They're up one. There's like two seconds on the clock, and they're up one, and he fouls the guy 80 feet from the basket. I mean, how? I mean, it's a contender. There's, there. I don't think there's any worse foul so far this season, but okay.
1: If you say so, I'm, I, I haven't looked. I haven't scanned that. I'm sure you got an, an a metric for that. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you look at the East, you have five good teams, and then you have maybe right now four teams playing for the last three playoff spots: Detroit, uh, Charlotte, Miami, Brooklyn. Right, uh, six through nine. Orlando is in a and is kind of struggling right now, and somehow struggled in overtime. <laughs> Do you see the overtime score of Suns yes. Uh, Magic? Yes. Uh, what was it? A grand total of
1: four, to, four, to, four to two. Four to two. <laughs> yeah, six points total. That's
2: that's getting uh, it done. If you lose in overtime to the Suns at home <laughs> by scoring points in the final five minutes. You're uh, you're in trouble. And then yeah. Washington, obviously, is just not not. Uh, the uh, Trevor Reese edition hasn't exactly sparked the turnaround in uh, Washington. Yeah.
1: Let's talk about more pleasant <laughs> things on the other side of the conference divide in the NBA. And uh, bringing in our, our main man, Brad Turner of the Los Angeles Times. Uh, I like to call him uh, Dark Gable, but everybody else knows him as Brad. Uh, BT, what's up, sir?
0: <laughs> well, why are you going to went there on the Whoa, you boy, know. letting the world know a few things now. Got Gable
1: in the house, you know. Uh, appreciate <laughs> you joining us, man. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.
0: Likewise, man. Same to you and everybody back there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's working Christmas now for you in L.A. again. It's, 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 it's going to be a working Christmas because the Lakers and the Clippers both doing it. I mean, I, I'll i be honest with you, BT. I didn't, I didn't see either one of these teams being as good as they are this soon at this stage of the season. Who's more surprising between the two of them for you in terms
0: of where they are and kind of what their outlook is going forward? Wow, wow, that's a great question, man. I'm going to say the Clippers. I covered them, obviously, all last season, the last few seasons. I thought if they stayed healthy, which they have done, if Gallo played to his potential, which he has, if Tobias Harris plays to the level I saw him play when he came over here, which he has, and they play good side of defense, that maybe they could be solid throughout the season and they would have you, they would be tempting a playoff seed. But right now, they're fifth in the West, in the tough West. So I have to say that I'm surprised that they've maintained and have been able to sustain this level of play. Know going forward,
1: we focus so much on LeBron and his injury. Obviously, is the the biggest news going on right now out there. MRI confirmed a strain left groin for him after he got injured on on Christmas Day. Even with the injury, the way they handled the Warriors. That had to make some people, you know, stand up and take notice. BT, people were, were openly criticizing Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka for the makeup of this team when they when they put the finishing touches on it going into the season. Did the Lakers brass get this thing right, and the rest of us get it wrong in terms of how they assembled
0: the pieces? <laughs> well, look, I questioned it several times <laughs> doing interview sessions with Magic and Rob Palenka, and they just sort of smiled at me, and they both said, "Well, BT." So then I thought, okay, they called my name on right, I guess they're about to grab me pretty hard here. But they explained themselves and what their plan was and what he thought this was the best course to take. You have to say, again, they're the four seed in the West, that if they thought this would work, and it has worked to a degree, that they were right. And anyone that criticized them, me, you, my coworkers, the rest of the league, we were all wrong. The thing is, obviously, we never know how it's going to work out. We never know who's going to sit there, who's not going to sit, who's going to play to the level that LeBron wants them to play to. And let's not forget, adding Tyson Chandler yeah. really made things change and improve for them, especially defensively. And Javel McGee has played, as people have told me around the league, better than they thought he ever could play maybe the best he's played in his career. So you have all those things happening for them. And Luke has gotten better as a young coach. He started to fit in, to put his style and his little stamp on his team. So, yes, Rob
2: Polenka and Magic Johnson, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Kudos <laughs> to you guys. Uh, BT, I, I got a question with that. Like, you know, we know that as good – as well as the, as the Lakers are playing – that this is not the long-term roster, right? So my question with actually both these teams, Lakers and Clippers, but let's just start start with the Lakers is who is most likely to be on this roster compliment, you know, complimenting LeBron next year, you know, two or three guys that obviously are here for the long term, and who is, you know, maybe the most likely not to be around come next season. Wow.
0: Ooh. Ooh. There's
2: a tough one. If, yes the Lakers are going to
0: pursue players that they want in free agency, then I would assume the young guys like Kuzma and Ball and Ingram and Josh Hart will be around. But if they decide to do, do it via trade, then those same four young guys most likely will be used as assets to gain someone that they're looking for. And we all know who that player is. We don't need to say his name over <laughs> and over again. Okay, it's A.D., yeah. all right? So let's AD. call it it is. But if they, if they were to make a move for someone like that, then it's going to require having those assets. And there's another young guy who's playing really well for the Lakers right now, Zubac. The big kid is starting to show some seasoning somewhere and some dominance down low. So he becomes maybe a fifth player that they can use in order to acquire another quality or a great player. But they do have that max salary available to go out and try to see if they can get Kawhi, to get KD, to get Clay, to get Boogie Cousins. Let's not forget him if he has a good playoff series. No, so they have the money available, but they also have, I think, the assets that can help them acquire a quality solid. You know, one of the top players in the league, and that's the player that we know that everyone in LA wants to see here. Laker fans want to see Anthony Davis in a Lakers uniform. Whether it happens or not, I don't know, but we'll see.
2: Can you can you distinguish like between those young guys as far as which probably complements LeBron the best, or the one they'd want to hold on to the most? Versus, let's just say, like Ingram hasn't necessarily fit well alongside LeBron. Like I feel like if, right. if they're going to put a package together for Davis or whomever, that Ingram was probably the most likely to go. And I would guess that maybe of the young guys, Kuzma is the most likely that they'll want they would want to hold on to. But Hart I think is is really good and I think he can complement LeBron pretty well as well.
0: You're right there. I think the one guy that mostly fits what LeBron James likes to have is Kyle Kuzma because he's a really good shooter, stretch at the floor, he's a smart player, he's improved his game, he's looking to learn all the time, he's watching film. But early in the season when they were going to bring Brandon Ingram back after he got into that nice left fight with Chris Paul, one thing that came up was that LeBron, his preference was to play small forward. His preference was to play alongside Kyle Kuzma. So as we saw when Ingram came back, he went to the two-guard position. Why? Because LeBron James wanted to have that shooter that could stretch the floor for him, give him more lanes to drive. And you're right. B.I. is someone who's more of a ball, I don't want to say a ball-dominant player, but he's at his best when he can penetrate and has the ball in his hands. He can make those four, five, six, seven dribbles to get to the basket. So he is someone that's finding it, I guess, more difficult to play with the blinds, But I will say this, B.I., B.I. Ben Ingram did admit when he sat out a couple of games with his sprained ankle, he started watching the film. He watched the games. And he realized that there were other ways he could be effective, that he could shoot the ball more from the corner. He could move more. He could pass the ball more. So he's trying to find a way to fit and better with LeBron. But the number one guy is Kyle Kuzma, without a question.
1: Yeah, I, I love Kuzma's fit alongside LeBron. You know, when you think about it, he hasn't really had a young 6'9", 6'10", mm. you know, wing like that to play with of that caliber. Not a, not a young guy who, who could – potentially become whatever it is that Kuzma becomes. Um, BT, the Lakers and Clippers are the four and five seeds right now in the West. They play Friday night at 1030 on NBA TV. There's always been kind of this thing the past few years about the Clippers trying to get on the Lakers level in terms of the groundswell of energy around them in L.A. We both know that's basically impossible. Sands, right. several championships, maybe in a row. The Clippers are never going to overtake the Lakers for the team in L.A., Having been around the Showtime Lakers, grown up around that environment, seen the Kobe Shaq Lakers or the Shaq-Kobe Lakers, whatever we call them, to keep the peace. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Keep the peace out. Come on. And now LeBron in L.A. Is there a discernible difference in terms of that passion for the Lakers from back when to now? Or did LeBron's arrival simply restart that fire that Los Angelinos have for the Lakers? Like Mm, a five-year absence of the playoffs and right. the, of that the co in the aftermath of Kobe leaving. And now you got LeBron. So is that energy back to where you used to seeing it in LA, you know, surrounding this team?
0: Man, say two. I'm going to say it's even higher. Wow. If only because, because of the, Le- Le- who LeBron James is and has, been all these years but also because of the, there's so much more media involved in this now mm-hmm. social media is prevalent like it wasn't before when magic played and when kobe and shaq played you know i recall the very first game of the season at portland i was in the locker room and all lebron james was doing was sitting in his seat watching one of the games he had to do rag on mm-hmm. all right making sure he kept that Kept those blocks right. up there nice and tight, yeah. <laughs> he was putting on his shoes. He was just looking around, not doing much, had his headphones on, watching previous game on TNT, and there had to be 15 cameras around him. There were other media people, the writers that were just watching him put his jersey on, and I just conflicted flicking and thinking, what is this phenomenon going on here? Luke walked and walked in, and I said, Luke, look at that. I can't believe what I'm seeing. I don't know if I can get used to this. And (laughs) Luke says, "BT, you better get used to it. That's the way it is, brother." And he was right. Yeah, I have never seen that before. A guy put his jersey on, and you have to have a picture of it, video of it. You have to write about that. I mean, what does it come to when that's what it is now with LeBron James? So it's just more because I think LA fans, Laker fans, were starving for that next superstar to get here and it just happens to be the best player in the world and lebron james yeah man it's a forest fire out here when it comes to lakers man we're it it is burning down the city wow i I didn't you know and i feel bad for doc in the clippers because
1: they've done a a hell of a job keeping this thing going even after you know chris paul and blake griffin and deandre jordan that live city crew exits the stage i know they got big plans for the summer we we all know that they have the the flexibility to add two max players themselves. And there's been chatter about right. who they're targeting. Is this Jerry West landing the weeds, getting ready to ambush the Lakers this summer in free agency? Like, are they, <laughs> are they plotting it? Like, kind of in the shadows, what they want to do? I like that. The logo.
0: I, I will say this. First off, I don't feel sorry for Doc, because Doc's making about 10 million years still. <laughs> He's making that loop. Okay? Come on, Dr. Rivers. You know what I'm talking about. But the biggest thing is more so than just Jerry. It's the entire staff that Steve Ballmer and Onis put together, but Lawrence Frank and all those people he has behind him. They are the day-to-day guys that grind every single day. They have put a plan in place. They have meetings three or four times a week with their entire staff on what they want to do, how they hope to accomplish this. If they get two players, these two max nice guys. How's that going to affect the team if they just get one, if they don't get any? I mean, they have all these plans in place. So for them, they have this strategic thing going on. And then they put it all together and they obviously take it to Steve Ballmer. And then Steve takes it to Jerry as a consultant. Jerry sits in on these meetings. He talks. but He's not there every single day. So really, this is Lawrence Frank. Hmm. This is him and his crew. This is Those guys. I mean, they are serious about this. They know what they're up against. And they will tell you rightfully so that it's not just about the Lakers. It's about the other 29 teams in the NBA because that's who you have to be. Now, in all honesty, yes, they're fighting the monster known as the Lakers. But in L.A., they're also up against the L.A. Rams, up against USC, UCLA, you know, the Dodgers. So trying to get the media attention is difficult for them because there's just so many other fascinating stories. Heck, even the Chargers now—the team that we didn't want in LA—they're <laughs> going to the playoffs. Right. We didn't want them here. Get lost. But I—I I went to a game on Saturday and I enjoyed it. So the Clippers are up against a lot, but they have a plan in place, and if it works, it's going to make this city, the, you know, really the basketball capital of the world because you could have—say—they end up getting. Kawhi playing for the Clippers and the Lakers get AD and they have the Bron and that crew, man, I mean, I might be, I might be going to 200 games a year. Who knows?
2: (laughs) 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 BT, my thing with the Clippers is how impressed I am with what Doc has done is, is not only is it a, a different roster from, like, two years ago, I mean, it's basically a completely different... I mean, two, the only player that's on the roster now that was on the roster two seasons ago is Maba Mute, and he went right. away for a year. But also, it's it's a bunch of guys that not aren't necessarily going to be around next year, right? Like, I mean, uh, it's a bunch of guys on expiring deals. And so I'm what I'm most impressed, in. and uh, maybe you can shed some light on it, is like, how has he done this with guys that should be sort of playing for themselves, right? Like, this shouldn't be a... I mean, because... Basically, you have uh, Gilgis Alexander, right. right, and then you have Gallinari, who's got another year on his deal, and Lou Williams, who has another year on his deal, and Harold, who has another de- year on his deal. But everybody else, Tobias Harris, Gortat, yeah, I think Avery, I think they they have a- the option for Avery Bradley. Yeah, Avery's got like yeah, Avery's got a small, uh, Avery Bradley's got like a small guarantee for next right. year. But it's a bunch of guys that aren't you know necessarily in for the long haul with this franchise. And so I I think that's kind of fascinating. I mean, do you feel like these guys are – or how has he sort of done that in in, in regard to, you know, getting guys who should be playing for themselves, playing for contracts, to, to play, you know, at the level they're playing?
0: Well, the one that he's told them from the very beginning is that you play for each other and you play for right now, not for tomorrow, not for next summer. Because if you play for right now and you play well right now, then tomorrow and next summer will take care of itself. If you play as a team and if you play to try to get yourselves to the playoffs and put yourself in position, people would know what you would do. The Clippers would know what they would do. There are no guarantees that they're going to get anyone this summer. There are no guarantees that the players they have here will be on the team next summer. So you have to just go out and play basketball and enjoy the moment. I mean, Doc is one of the best I've ever been around at just making sure he gets everyone to buy into the same thing, to get him on the same page. It worked when he first got here with Chris Paul and DJ and Blake, and it started to sort of split throughout the while. because, as he's told me in the past, sometimes you can just lose that voice with certain guys, and you have to make changes, and they did. But Tobias Harris is just this incredible, really nice, talented young man, and he's a good guy, Bobon. It's the funniest guy on earth. Might be the nicest human being in the history of mankind. So when you have all those things working together, you have a great owner. They want to move into a new building, you know, in six to seven years. We have the logo, Jerry West there. You know, so everyone has bought into the same message. Let's just play basketball. Let's win the game today. And we're about the next practice and the next game later on. And I have to give all those guys credit from Pat Beverly to rally to Tobias, to Gallinari, to the young kids, Shay. I mean, they've all bought into it. And that's why part of the reason why I think they are the fifth seed because they're willing to play for each other.
1: It's it's an interesting way for the Clippers to kind of make their way from one era to the next, BT. And I wasn't sure that Doc would be invested in that kind of rebuild. It's been impressive. It really has. It's, It's made basketball in L.A., Fun again, I remember a decade ago when it was just kind of turning and it was before Chris Paul showed up, but it felt like there was a chance that the Clippers and Lakers would have an opportunity to both be competitive at the same time. That's got to be a fun L.A. sports scene to have when you got both those teams with with a chance to be legitimate forces in the West at the same time. Closing out, and I know there's a lot of season to be played I got one final thing about the Lakers before we get to trivia, I want to ask you about, Uh-oh. are they built, are they built even now BT to, to really challenge in the West? Cause Christmas day gave me a feeling like they might be closer than I realized, or maybe the Warriors are further away from their best than I realized, but could it happen this year as, as presently
0: constituted? Could they be the spoiler in the Western conference? Man, that is such a tough question to answer, but I'm going to say Yes. Because they have the ultimate weapon, a guy named LeBron James. And then they have another guy like Rajon Rondo. They have Tyson Chandler. So they got these three incredible veterans who have all won championships. And the young guys look up to them. They follow them. I can't tell you how often I hear stories about The team being on the plane, and they're in the back, and they're all watching film. They're all asking, Rondo, what do you think about this, Rondo? They're calling Luke Walker away at night to say, my bad on defense this night. I'll get better at it. So they want to be great, and they're working hard to be great. They want to be around each other. They're learning how to become a better group. When LeBron James went out, I watched that game. I kept thinking, this is it. The Warriors now enroll them, man, because what do the Warriors always do? They have these crazy third quarters. You succumb to the fans with see point shots. And the Lakers almost did, but they held on. How about your boy Lance Stevenson? When a guitar gets out there, he starts playing that. Man, come on! That's beautiful music for the Lakers. Right? I think they can, but it remains to be seen. Obviously, yeah, it's
1: going. It's, it's going to be interesting. I, I love uh, the LA scene being back on it, man. And I know you're taking care of my guy Sean Powell out there, man. Keep Sean out of man, trouble for us, all right? I thought Sean was living
0: out here after a while here, man. It's the I love
1: my <laughs> <sort> of guy. <laughs> yeah, man. He's he's a he's bicultural now. He's doing it doing his thing. BT, we always do trivia here on the podcast, Schumann. Uh-oh. comes up with a Schumann stat every week that stumps us. This this is uh, usually an exercise in futility for me, but I'm I'm glad I got somebody around with me to try and help me figure this out. So, Shu, what you got for us for trivia this week?
2: All right, guys. So, we are coming up at the to to the end of 2018. One of the things I like to do at the end of every year is is look at the the leaders in total sort of minutes, points, rebounds for the calendar year. Which mm-hmm. includes playoff games, so basically from January first, uh, two thousand eighteen through December thirty right. first, two thousand eighteen. Okay. So my first question for you is: Who do you think has led two thousand eighteen in total minutes played, Ooh, including LeBron James? Correct. LeBron has played about five hundred more minutes than Kevin Durant. So even if LeBron uh, wow. misses the last uh, three games of December here, he uh, he'll he'll finish. Win. Yeah. How about total points scored in two thousand eighteen? James Harden. Nope. Number three. Ooh. Steph Curry. Nope. Not Ooh. in the top five. He's oh, wow. He's missed, he's, he's
1: missed a lot he's of games. games. That's right. Regular season games, too. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Maybe Durant.
0: Nope. Number two. Wow. Ooh, Oh, man. Oh, boy. What? I don't know. Kevin Durant.
2: No, you no he's teams, number two. Right? Number I'm two. stumped. Yeah. yeah, I'm stumped. I don't know. Who. Uh, it's kind of a trick question because it's LeBron again. 2,926 <laughs> points, about uh, 450 more than Durant, so he'll still he'll, – uh...
0: I think I see where this is going, CQ.
2: <laughs> right, we're going to switch it up now. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll even fast forward through assists because LeBron is number one in assists as well for
0: <laughs> Thank you. I think I see where this is going.
2: LeBron. Well, let's go guess LeBron from now on. All right, I have a total rebounds for 2018. That one is not LeBron James. Uh, Total rebounds,
1: total (sighs) rebounds, playoffs included.
2: But this this guy did not make the playoffs, so he did it without making the playoffs. Andre Andre Drummond, yes, Andre Drummond, twelve hundred and nine. Next is DeAndre Jordan with eleven hundred and four. All right, this is the toughest one. Uh Best cumulative plus minus for the year of two (sighs) thousand and eighteen. Yeah, okay, so to- be a good, a good player on a good team. And my hint for you is: this team was really, really good in the second half of last season. So therefore, he made a you know he he you know sort of accumulated a, a good plus minus in the second half of last regular season. His team mm. won one playoff series last year, so he made it to the second round of the playoffs. Anthony Davis. Uh, nope. Oh no. Mm. Oh. What is team a made mid-man. a huge run at this in the second half of last regular season? The what? Pelicans had a nice run. Um. So did Utah. Utah, be, correct? Could it be Donovan oh, yeah. Mitchell? No, no. Or is it Joe Ingles? Joe Ingles yeah. had to be one of those. Two. Plus five fifty-eight for two thousand eighteen. Wow. And Bede wow. is number two at plus 539 because the Sixers, remember, made a good run. Right. I, thought he might, I thought it might be one of those two. And then Curry, Durant, and then J.J. Reddick in the top five. J.J. Reddick. That one could change in the last few days of uh, 2018 depending wow. on how things go. But Joe Ingles is your current leader. Joe through, Ingles, maybe Jingles. Through uh, Wednesday's games for a total plus minus in 2018, which is kind of fun. I like that. Wow, man. That's good, shoot. That's that's interesting. Year ending, with yeah. calendar year, not just season. Yeah, so if look, out, look out for on January 1st on my uh, Twitter account. I'll put them all up there. Put top, <laughs> top five, hey. top fives for uh, all the majors. I'll, major be, I'll be, be looking for forward. it. Right. Be on
1: it. Be on it. BT, we appreciate you, man, for joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Man,
0: my pleasure. Happy holidays to you
1: guys. Happy New Year, brother. We'll see you down the road. All right, PT. Appreciate it. No doubt. All right. Appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Hangtime Podcast, latest John Schumann-authored NBA.com power rankings. Be sure to subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes all season long. Make sure you leave a review, and we'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast.